0: Bibles with me, Ephesians chapter six. Thank you guys. Ephesians chapter six, verse ten, and I'm gonna continue on in the series of the spiritual warfare. Now, how many of you you've been liking the spiritual warfare series that we've been on? Hasn't it been great? It's been awesome. I mean, We've just going, been going, breaking down each piece by piece, the armor, and uh, if you were not here the first couple of uh, times that we were together in this message with the spiritual warfare, I want to uh, challenge you to go ahead and uh, purchase the CDs, or you can always go online to our website, just click on the messages right there and the, the podcast, all of them will be able to come up, you can listen to them at work, you can listen to them on your drive. Uh, Or if you're working out, if you're running, or if you're just there at home, you can always do that as well. And uh, the spiritual warfare, we are in a warfare. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. We're going to read it together again. Starting in verse 10, and we're going to go all the way down. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against your wife and your husband. I just threw that in there. That's not what it says. But it's pretty close. Against flesh and blood. It's not against your boss. It's not against your mom. It's not against your dad. It's not against your coworkers. But it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. World and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up. The shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is what I want you to do. Go ahead and put your Bibles down. Remain standing with me. And we are in spiritual warfare. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, I'm not going to be talking about this, but God I, I put this upon my heart. Before we get into this message... I want to get into some some spiritual warfare. And what this is, is we are going to just worship God for a few moments. Is that all right? Some of you right now, you're going through some situations, and all you're doing is you're looking at the situation. And when you look at the situation, everything else looks small, including God. Even God looks small to your situation. You figure money is huge. Well, if you keep looking at it, of course it is. You figure my family problem, it's humongous. Well, if you keep staring at it, of course it will be. But here we are in a spiritual warfare. Somebody say spiritual warfare. Now, I'm not talking about it, but what you need to know is that worship is a part of spiritual warfare. Did you know that your worship is a vital part of your warfare? Did you know that? Your worship is a vital part of your warfare. Don't think for a second, well, if I just say hallelujah, God doesn't hear me. No, he hears you. Matter of fact, not only does he hear you, but the enemy hears you too. See, and I point down because he's under your feet. You need to know that. So listen, here this morning, I want to take a few moments. I want you to lift your hands. We don't have the piano. We don't have the guitar. But I want you to just take a few moments and let's just worship God. Come on. Let's just worship God. Even when they walked around Jericho, they praised and they worshiped. On that last time, that last time, they just let up a shout of praise and a shout of worship on that last time. Even when David, when he was worshiping, he worshiped until his ephod fell off. Because he understood, it does not matter. My worship is personal. David wrote so many psalms as he worshiped God. Listen, some of you here this morning, let's write a psalm. Let's worship God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus Oh come on, put on, put it on right now. Thank you, Jesus, God, we worship you. God, we adore you, Lord. Oh Jesus, Lord, this worship God. We are standing firm for our family. Lord for the salvation of our family that is not here. They're not saved yet, but God, I worship you. God, I praise you for my family that is addicted to drugs, that is addicted to alcohol, God, I still worship you. I still praise you, God. Lord, for my family that is addicted, Lord God, to homosexuality, to selfishness, Lord God, self-centeredness, God, I still worship you in the midst of it all, Lord God. In the midst of it all, when the enemy tries to throw things at me, God, I still worship you. God, I still praise you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, thank you, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, God, have your way, Father. Oh, Jesus, purify my heart, oh God. A pure and contrite heart you will not despise, oh God. Oh, Jesus. God, hear us this morning, oh God. Oh, Jesus, we thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. Oh, God, we need you, God. We cry out, Lord out from the city of Hayward, God, we cry out, Jesus. Oh, God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Jesus, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but, Lord, we know who and what our struggle is against. Father, help us to grab a hold of that here this morning. Lord, remove me place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. Let faith arise here this morning. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. And all together we said amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise here this morning. Before you're seated, shake someone's hand and tell them, put it on. Then you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Somebody say, put it on. We are in a spiritual battle, are we not? Whenever you hear that phrase, put it on, it does not refer to just meaning put it on one time. It means put it on once and for all. Put it on and leave it on. Tell your neighbor, put it on on." and leave it on. See, what we need to understand is that our spiritual armor is not like an athletic uniform. In other words, you don't put it on, and then it gets stinky, and then you take it off. You don't put it on, and then it gets dirty, and then you take it off. No, you keep it on. Somebody say, keep it on. Keep it on. See, this is something that we're going to be able to have on, with, on us until we go to be with the Lord. See, if we don't have our armor on at all times, we become very vulnerable to the enemy. To the enemy and his tactics. See, that's why it's very important that we should often check each piece of our spiritual armor that it's in place. Now, f- last week, if you were here, we talked about the belt of truth. Somebody say, Belt of truth. Now, really quickly, I just want to give you a couple scriptures that we talked about last week with John 17, verse 17. The Bible says, Sanctify them by your truth and your word is truth. Can I hear an amen? God's word is truth. I don't care what anybody says, God's word is truth. The other day I was uh, watching a video and there was a man that I highly respected and I had Uh, uh, you know, I kind of put a high pedestal upon him because of his intelligence and because of the things that he's accomplished in science. And I thought, man, this is a great guy. Then I saw a video and I saw the things coming out of his mouth. I said, man, he went from up here to way down here. Why? Because even though he sounded smart and even though all the things that he thought he attained and all this uh, righteousness, if you will, of the things that he thought, man, I'm so smart. But the things that came out of his mouth, I said, wow. Wow. That's nothing but a lie. That's nothing but a lie. Just because you sugarcoat it and make it sound good and the guy looks good and it looks great, oh man, it must be true, because he's a nice guy. Listen, I want you to know something before. My father used to always say there's going to be a lot of good people and a lot of nice people in hell. No matter how nice it looks, no matter how good it looks, my friend, our righteousness is his filthy rags. But we must sanctify them, purify them, by what? Truth. Second Timothy verse 2, verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, now when it comes to the belt of truth, if you can imagine, imagine just one piece missing from the belt. No matter how tiny the sliver that isn't there, the belt is useless. It must be one continuous unbroken peace all the way around. Truth is truth. And last week we learned about if we know the truth, that knowing the truth, number one, it equips you. When you know the truth, it will equip you for battle. Number two, also it brings you closer to Christ. And another thing that truth does with you is that it helps you to share your faith. Have you ever been into a conversation and you heard somebody talking and right away you heard it and you go, that's not true. Don't you want to jump in right away? You want to jump in right away? Like, hey, wait, wait, wait. That's not true. And if you were here last week or a couple weeks ago, I shared about that, about how I said, uh, you know, I myself, I'm not an A's fan. But, you know, and I, had no, I have nothing against the A's, but this guy was, like, coming at me. I said, look, man, I'm, I'm a Giants fan. I don't have anything against the A's, but just don't be talking about my Giants. But he kept coming at me, coming at me, and then finally he said something. He goes, well, the, the Oakland A's, we have all our World Series We've won here in Oakland. I go, no, you haven't. That's not true. So right away I chimed in. I go, no, that's not true. You were actually in Kansas City. Matter of fact, you were in Philadelphia. Matter of fact, you've only won four World Series in Oakland. The other ones you wore, you won somewhere else. And matter of fact, you've actually only won three. But if you want to count that other one with steroids, go ahead. You can have that. And so he went, oh. see, because when you know the truth, it helps you to sh- Wait, that's not the truth. I want to share the truth with you. So when people try to say, well, God's not real. Wait, 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 let, let, me, let me share the truth with you. God is real. Well, how do you know? Well, I'm glad you asked because I got the belt of truth. Let me share it with you. See, because you're equipped, you're able to share your faith, and it also brings you closer to Christ. Now look with me in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, because it talks about standing firm with the belt of truth, but also with the breastplate of righteousness, in place. Somebody say breastplates of righteousness. Now this is where we're going to be putting it on. I like what the great preacher Edwin Lewis Cole he said, it is not enough to be delivered from sin. It is only enough to be delivered to righteousness. When it comes to putting on righteousness, this is something that we have to have upon our lives. I remember when I was younger, I used to do a lot of crazy things when I was younger. Now, for those of you who may look and say, well, he doesn't look like he did that much. I really didn't, but when you're younger and you don't have a lot of things. I remember my, my parents, they didn't let me have any Nintendo. I didn't have no arcade games. I didn't know any of that. So even when young people, they say, hey, let's go play Madden. I'm like, eh, I'm not really into that because I never did that because my parents always forced me to go outside and play. Okay, what am I going to play? You know, I'm six years old. I don't have any brothers. I don't have any sisters. The only sister I got is a baby. What am I going to do? Go outside and just make it up. All right. So, you know, and when you're a young kid, you got to get creative. Just make stuff up. So I used to make up a lot of things. You know, I used to make up, let's see how high I can jump off a roof without breaking my leg kind of stuff. Anybody else do that? Am I the only one? Okay. A few of you too, right? I used to just make stuff up. I remember cars used to pass by and I used to grab these little, like almost like acorns or something, and I used to see how close I can get to a car without hitting it. I'm t- I used to come up with weird stuff. We used to play games uh, uh, at the baseball field. We used to grab a tennis ball, and we used to throw it as hard as we can against the wall. And if you didn't touch the wall by the time we hit it, so, okay, that's it, you go against the wall. You know, how in the world are you going to let somebody throw a tennis ball at you when you're not looking? That's what we used to do. We used to say, okay, that, turn around, turn around. I get a free shot. And not only me, all 20 of us get a free shot at you. Crazy stuff. Another game that we used to I used to play, I don't know, for some reason, we were just bored. You just come up with stuff. We're, this is a guy thing. We used to hit each other in the chest and see how hard we could hit each other in the chest. For what reason? No reason. We didn't get paid for it. We didn't get a free, you know, lunch at Chuck E. Cheese. It was just, let's just hit each other. And so we used to do that. We used to go, all right, go ahead, go ahead. All right, right right here, right. And we used to hit ourselves thinking we're hard, you know. Go ahead, go ahead, hit, hit it right there. Don't look at me like that. You guys used to do stuff like this too. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And we used to have guys, we like, oh, come on, man. You don't want me to hit you. You know, we hit just, what, you sissy, you a sissy, you know, Come on. Come on, man. And then finally one guy would just be like, boom. Yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'll be right back. got to go to the restroom real quick. But it didn't hurt. Didn't hurt. Didn't hurt. Just for some reason, we just used to do that. And we used to just hang around and hit each other. Well, you need to know something here this morning. The devil doesn't care what you have on or what you don't have on. His goal is to hit you where it hurts. That's his main objective. Even when you're not looking, even when you're not paying attention, even when you're not prepared, you're like, okay, all right, devil, go ahead and hit me. Okay, all right, okay, good. Uh, 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 stop now, stop, 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 stop. See, the enemy, doesn't, he doesn't hear those words stop. All he hears is that, oh, you're a child of God, I'm going to hit you. And I'm going to hit you where it hurts. See, this is something that you and I need to realize that it's very important to put on this breastplate of righteousness. See, when we get into a fight, it's always easier to fight with something guarding your heart. See, there's no worries about any sort of penetration of the heart or of the stomach. Did you know that, he, I mean, trip out on this. I, I, I did my own little research on this. I don't know if it's a proven fact. But if you go to a guy, any guy in particular, I don't know what it is. Right? We, you know, we shake hands. But guys, we're just, we're weird like this. I don't know why. We like to mess around with each other sometimes. And every once in a while you get a guy who likes to mess with somebody. Or, you know, even, even if you see a guy that gets into a fight, just do your own research. I did it. Every guy, without hesitation, if you get it, the first thing they do is they'll protect their heart and they'll protect their stomach. That's like the first, They protect their ribs. It's weird. It's a trick. If you see something coming or something's coming at you, this is the first thing that guys do. We just do it for some reason. I don't know why. We just do We don't protect our face. We don't care about our legs. We don't care about our arms. For some reason, we protect right here. Because when you're in a fight, did you know this? You can actually fight without a leg. Did you know that you can fight with a wounded arm? But you cannot fight with a punctured heart. It's impossible. Because this is very important. What goes on in here is very important to the fight. So that's why it's very important that you put on the breastplate of righteousness. Tell your neighbor, put it on. See, now what purpose does this breastplate serve? I'm going to have my soldier come on out right now. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, oh yeah, look at that right here. He is my Roman soldier that we have right here. And if you were here last week, we talked about it. We talked about the belt of truth. But now here this morning, we're going to be talking about this, this breastplate of righteousness. Now, what purpose does this breastplate serve? The breastplate was a central part of the Roman soldier's armor. It provided protection for the torso, which also contains the vital organs of the heart, the lungs, and many others. Without a breastplate, a soldier would be asking for death, as any attack could instantly become fatal. With a sturdy breastplate, a strong breastplate, the very same attacks become ineffective and useless as the blows glance off of the armor. It was very important that this soldier would put this on because everything behind it was very vital. If you even saw a few soldier movies, you've seen many soldiers, they they even fought without an eye. They just put a patch over the eye and they just kept going. It's very important, my friend, that what is behind this is very important to your fight. What is behind this breastplate is very important to your fight. Tell your neighbor, put it on. Now, as I began to study, I began to think, why a breastplate of righteousness? Why not breastplate of faith? Why not, you know, the goodness? Why not the breastplate of joy? But the breastplate of righteousness. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 4, says, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. But righteousness delivers from death. See, without righteousness, we leave ourselves open to almost certain death. But just as with the breastplate, the attacks of our enemy are frustrated with righteousness. This is very important as we put this on here this morning, the breastplate of righteousness. Somebody say righteousness. Tell your neighbor, righteousness. Now, as we look into this breastplate of righteousness, I want to take a look at, well, what is righteousness? Now, I'm going to give you guys a lot of scriptures. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and write the scriptures down. If not, you can purchase a CD or listen to it. there on our website. But Psalms 119, verse 172, it says, My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. That's a good word right there. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. So we know what righteousness isn't. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34, it says, awake to righteousness. I like that right there. Just, just those three words. Awake to righteousness. In other words, there's many men and women, they're asleep. They're asleep. But in order for you and I to wake up and to see what God has, you gotta put on righteousness. And then it says, Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Now, as we read these scriptures, to be righteous, of what we see here, it's to do what is right in God's eyes. God's commandments are righteous. In contrast, we also see that lawlessness is sin, and sin is the opposite of righteousness. So to be righteous, as we read these scriptures, is to obey God's law of love. Somebody say, obey. Now as we look at this, and as we see this righteousness, and as we see that God's commandments are righteousness, so in other words, we're holding steadfast to the commandments that God has given us. We need to Put on these commandments. Put these on. Tell your neighbor, put them on. Now, with the righteous, for those of you that were here a few months ago, I kind of broke this down a little bit and I'm going to break it down again for you here this morning. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2, and we're going to take a look at something when it comes to being righteous. Proverbs chapter 29. Verse 2, if you have it, say amen. If you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you, bring a Bible to church. And if you don't have a Bible, say, well, I don't have any, you know, finances, I'm working on it. Listen, we're going to be talking about that right now. Get a discipler. That discipler will help you purchase a Bible. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2 says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the righteous are in authority or they thrive, the people rejoice. Somebody say righteous. When the righteous are in their right place, then the people rejoice. The Bible also says that righteousness will exalt a nation. In other words, it has to be in its right place. Now, the word righteous in the Hebrew means sadak. Somebody say sadak. Tell your neighbor, sadak. So when the sadak are in authority, when the sadak when the are in their right place, the people are happy. The people rejoice. Everything is right with God. Now, there is a word That also in the Hebrew that is very close to the word righteous, because the word uh, sadak means righteous. But also there's another Hebrew word called sadaka. Somebody say sadaka. That word means generous. Somebody say righteous. Say sadak. Say righteous. Sadak. Now say generous. Sadaka. See how they're kind of like very similar in words right there? Because if you look at it and as you read the scriptures and actually if you study the Hebrew culture, it is impossible for a righteous person to be greedy. A righteous person is generous. Are you hearing me this morning? A righteous person gives freely. Freely I have received, so freely I Tell your neighbor, generous. Tell someone else, righteous. There are 2,106 verses that connect righteousness with generosity and greed with wickedness. 2,106 verses that connect them together. Psalms chapter 37, look at this, verses 25 and 26. I was young and now I'm old. That's a fast song that we sing. Do you remember that song that we just sang? Young but now I'm old, never have I seen the. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They are always what? What does it say? They are always what? Generous. And they lend freely. Now look at this. I like this. I'm not focusing in on this, but I like this portion of scripture. Their children will be blessed. I like that right there. See, putting other people before us means sadaka, generous, giving. Not always holding on, but giving. See, many times when we look at righteousness and we look at the breastplate of righteousness, we look at it sometimes in the wrong way. We look at righteousness as that if you don't do this, you're righteous. Okay, don't mess up. Don't mess. Sin, don't look at that. Don't look at this. Don't go over there. And we figure, if I don't do that, I'm a good person. Right? That's what we always, uh, a lot of times, that's why it's very scary whenever I hear alcoholics and they talk and they say, I I can do it on my own. That's scary. That's a scary thing. Because you know a lot of times, especially when you go to those meetings, they say the higher power, but the higher power is in you. They're, they're, They're trying to say higher power, but they're trying to say you can do it on your own. Listen, you need to know something here this morning. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. But a lot of times, that's what happens. We figure, okay, just stop being a drunk and you're a good person. Stop being addicted to whatever addiction, whatever slave that is holding on, and then you're a good person. But see, in the culture, in the Hebrew culture, that's not how it was. It wasn't by what you didn't do. It's by what you did do. It's by what you were doing for God. See, this righteousness that we see, it wasn't by what we didn't do that makes us righteous, but by, but by what we made happen for other people. See, it's not, excuse me, it's what you enter into that's what, what makes you righteous, not what you're not doing. Look at Luke chapter 3. As I begin to read this, this really got me right here. Luke chapter 3, let's all look at this portion of scripture. I really like this. Luke chapter 3, verse 7. Now this is John speaking. And I really like it. I'm going to try my best to read it in the way John might have said it. Because you have to look at it. John was crazy. We got our very own John and he's crazy. Amen. Come on, John. John chapter 3, or excuse me, Luke chapter 3, verse 7. It says, John said to the crowds, coming out to be baptized by him, look at this, you brood of vipers. It's kind of cold-blooded, don't you think? Like, I don't even use that word brood, but just the sound of it sounds rude. All right? Doesn't Brood sounds like rude. Like, you're rude. But actually, as you study the scripture, it's even worse than that. Who, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? It says, produce fruit. And keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Okay, just really quickly, that's what they were always doing. They were always name-dropping. That's the bottom line. They were always name-dropping. You ever had those people all they do is name drop? Like they can never do it on their own. So they name drop and they use other people. So that's what was happening here. That's all they were doing. They were just saying, Oh, okay, well, I know I don't have it all. But my father Abraham said, Okay, look, look stop with all that stuff. You get right. You do this. That's what John was doing. He said, no, 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 no. Stop with all that daddy, dad. No, no, no. Forget that, your father Abraham. What about you? What about you? See, here he says, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. That's actually very cold-blooded, what he just said right there. What he said to them, out of these stones, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now look in verse 10. Look at this. What should we do then, the crowd asked. Then John, right, you got to ima- imagine, you brutal of vipers, you're messed up. We're going to cut you down. You're, you're messed up. Don't be talking about your father Abraham. I mean, mad, ah, you know what are you doing? But what should we do? Okay. The man with two tunics should share... With him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. Out of all the things that John could say, he says, you need to give away. You want to repent? Okay. Give it away. Share it. Because in the Hebrew culture, if you want to be righteous, and you want to truly show that you're repentful, because that's what he was talking about, you need to repent. Okay. Then give it away. Don't hold on to that thing. Because you could say all you want with your mouth. Oh, God, I love you. God, you're awesome. God, you're the greatest. Okay, show me that he's the greatest in your life. God, I love you. Oh, man, it's just just me and you. Oh, man, I just love you. Okay, but you're holding on to that thing right behind you. Oh, but nobody sees it. I'll stand right in front of it. Oh, no, no, no. God sees it. Because a truly repentful heart shares and gives, doesn't hold on to it. There's another portion of scripture, and we learned about this even the other day. That there was a a man, a rich young ruler, the Bible says in Luke chapter 18, it says that there was a certain ruler that asked him, good teacher, talking to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then I like Jesus, right? And we we learned this before. If ever you wanted to answer somebody who gave a good question, what did you do? Answer them right back with a question. That's the way Jesus was. Okay, you gave me a question, I'm going to give you a question. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Then I like He says, all these I have kept since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Isn't that heavy? All the things. He's been a good person since he was a boy. That's what he was saying. He said, I've done everything. I've done all the good things. I've done all the good stuff. Since I was young, I've been good. And Jesus still says, you still lack one thing. There's one thing that you still lack. He says right here, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. The Bible says in verse 23, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him. That's heavy right there. He didn't look at everybody else. He looked at him and said, how hard is it for a rich to enter to the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter to the kingdom of heaven. Those who heard this asked him, who then can be saved? See, what was taking place here was this man. He had a lot of things. Matter of fact, not only did he have things, he did a lot of good things. Yet there was still one thing that he lacked. Because in this culture at the time, you have to remember, they were, all, they were slaves. So everything that they got, they figured, wow, I earned this thing. I got it, man. I, I did this thing. I, I have it. And here's Jesus says, okay, you think you earned it? You need to actually give that away. Wait, what? Hold on one second. Don't you don't you understand? I've been working late hours for this. That's good. I'm glad you have. Now give it away. Wait, wait. Hold on. This doesn't make any sense, God. I don't understand. See, because a lot of times we think, I earned it. I did this. I made this happen. I brought, the, I brought the house together. I purchased that car. I purchased that house. I purchased, I, I, I. And all it is, you, God's probably looking down and just going, I, I, I. All these eyes. where's me? Where's God? Where I'm, Where's the I am in this whole thing? And so Jesus tells this rich young ruler, sell it all. Then you can come and follow me and now if you were here the other night how many were here with Shane Willard wasn't that awesome because he talked about salvation now everybody's was different but this rich young ruler his in particular had to do with money because money had his heart money had money was holding him back from his salvation things things were holding out he had so much stuff and it was holding him back from his True salvation. See, the righteousness that a lot of times we put on, we think, I did this. I made this. Look, look at me. Look what I did. And I want to tell you something. That righteousness that you put on, it's very brittle. It's very, matter of fact, not just brittle. You know what the Bible calls it? Filthy. That's what it calls it. Filthy rags. See, this is something that you and I need to understand that there is a separation That can happen between us and God. Look with me in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2. It says, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, some of your translations say, but your unrighteousness have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not here. See, you and I got to be very, very careful. You, you ever sang that song before? You are the air I breathe, right? This is the air I breathe. You're everything. Oh, God, you're everything. And we sing that song and say, like, God, you are everything. Everything, Lord, you are everything to me. Oh, you're everything, God. And so we sing the song. But if we're not careful, our iniquities will separate us from God. Even though we say, God, you are, he is everything. He even even John, the, uh, John the Baptist said right here, he said, if he wants these stones, we can make children out of these stones for Abraham. So don't think for a second all the things that you do, all the things that you have, oh, man, it's great stuff. No, our stuff, our righteousness, can, uh, excuse me, our self-righteousness can separate us from God. Tell your neighbor, say, I don't want to be separated from God. See, this, these actions, sinful actions, are in conflict with God's way of living and are very harmful to ourselves, but also to others. It's very important that we do not go down the path of sin and evil, but we go down the path of righteousness. See, it's not us, it's not our righteousness. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, it says, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities, like the wind have taken us away. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 6 says, verse 6, In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which we by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. And there's many scriptures that talk about how the righteousness that we put on is God's righteousness. That God is that. You can read it also in Psalms chapter 5, Psalms chapter 23, verse 20, uh, chapter 24, and also verse 71. Many scriptures that talk about how true righteousness comes from God. See, it's not our righteousness, it's not our own, but God's righteousness. Can I hear an amen? amen? See, this is why it's very important that we put this on God's righteousness, God's command, God's righteousness, not ours. Tell your neighbor, not yours. John Hagee, famous preacher, said, God never alters the robe of righteousness to fit the man, rather, he alters the man to fit the robe. See, this is something that we look at and say, well, how do we put this on? The Bible says, therefore, now remember, whenever you hear the word therefore, you always got to find out what it's there for. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, just stand. So now that we know and we see what the breastplate of righteousness is. Paul gives us this command, take up the whole armor of God. Now if we really take a look into these scriptures concerning righteousness, there are actually over 300 scriptures in the New King James that talk about this. And they show that the servants of God in the Bible who had righteousness all had it because they followed the Lord's way. They followed the Lord's command. See, we must be sure not to remove this. Do not remove this breastplate. Do not take it off. Tell your neighbor, don't take it off. You know that some of the blessed times I've ever been in my life has always been when I'm giving. Did you know that? Some of the blessed times, I didn't say best times. I said blessed times have always been when I'm giving. And not giving because I want something in return. Well, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. I'm, like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give to this guy, but he better give me something back. Okay, I'm, I'm going to bless her. I'm going to bless her. Really, it's more like I'm going to curse her. Because that's what really what we're kind of saying. Say, Okay, I'm going to give it to you, but you better give me something back. I'm gonna give, okay, but I want something back. But see, a righteous person who puts on the righteousness of God says, I want to give freely. I'm not going to let nothing hold me Nothing's gonna hold me back. I don't want any of this stuff holding me back from what God has for my life. We have to put this righteousness on. Listen, my friend, here this morning, this is something that you and I need to realize that this is a very vital part of who we are in Christ. This righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, that when you put it on, don't take it off. Leave it on there. The righteousness, not our righteousness, not your righteousness, but God's righteousness. Where God can look down and say, that's a man that I want to bless. That's a woman that I want to bless. Because freely I give to them. And look, at freely they just keep giving. Oh, I need to make sure that it flows right through them. I need to make sure that it flows right to them. I shared this even a couple months ago that I believe that God is going to bring millionaires to this church. Now, let me rephrase that. I don't mean just God raising up millionaires to bring to this church. I believe that God is going to raise up millionaires out of this church. That they're going to come and they're going to be homegrown from this church. Why? Now, let me tell you why. Why? Because I believe that we have men and women that give freely. That give freely. That money will not hold them back. Whenever you talk about money, people get real funny. You ever notice that? People get real funny, like we don't. We, it's almost like you ever seen that movie Fight Club. Like we don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> we, we don't talk about money here. Don't talk about money. Yet the Bible talks about money more than death, hell, heaven, and the grave combined. Talks more about that. Talks about money because money is like all or nothing. Money's like all or nothing, even if it's just like ten dollars. You ever? Look, found $10 on the floor or $20 on the floor, right? You're just walking. You're having a bad day. You find $20 and it's almost like, man, I'm having the best day in the world. All you did was find a piece of paper with the dead president on it and yet you have a great day now. Because that's what money does. Money is all or nothing. Like you can't, somebody can't come up to you and give you $100 and go, yeah, thanks for $100. Has anybody ever done that before? Has anybody ever gotten hundred dollars? Go, man, you know, thank You might have if you were expecting two hundred, but you know. But let's just say out of nowhere, you weren't expecting anything, nothing. You weren't expecting nothing from no one. Somebody comes up to you, gives a hundred dollars. You go, wow. I feel blessed because that's what money does. Because money is all or nothing. Money is either sorrowful. Oh man, I don't have enough of it. Or it's joyful. Hey, I got a lot of it. Because that's what money is. That's why the Bible says, be careful with money. Because the love of money is the roots of all kinds. I like that right there. All kinds. The things that try to come at you are all kinds of different things. There's a bunch of different ways that money and unrighteousness and filth and iniquities try to come. There's all kinds. of, Not just one way. Not just one. I remember one time I lost my wallet. I felt like all hell was breaking loose. I go, oh, my gosh, my, my, my credit cards, my money, I had money in there. Uh, and people, right away, how much money did you have in there? <laughs> I could people just want to be nosy. right? So how much money? Not that I'm concerned or anything. I just want to make sure if I find it, I could take out just enough just in case you didn't have it the right way. I could, you know. How much money did you have? Well, I had, you know, $100. Oh, my gosh, $100. We better find that. <laughs> how much money did you have in there? I didn't have anything. That's ah, no big deal. Because it's not like anything else matters. The only thing that matters in there is the money. Because there's all kinds of ways the enemy can hit you. All kinds of different ways. Even within your marriage sometimes. Even when you're going through it financially, your marriage is going through it. You're you're like, man, what is going on here? I I didn't even do anything, but we're talking about money? Oh, my gosh. You feel like hell ain't down there. You feel like hell is right here you're like, man, what is going on here? Because there's all kinds of different ways that the enemy can hit you. All kinds. You keep watching those TV shows, and even one of the TV shows, they took it from an old uh, 50s uh, slogan, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, right? But now they call it keeping up with the Kardashians. And so all of a sudden, that's what we want to do now. Ooh, I like her dress. I want that dress. Oh, look at her, her shoes are so nice. And all of a sudden, we keep seeing these things. See, you don't know this, but I'm trying to reveal this. And we look at those things and we go, wow, that's so nice, that's so nice. When the TV show's over, it's all said and done. And this happens, we're like, man, I want a pair of shoes. And if you don't have shoes, you get depressed. Man, and even for guys, oh, look at that car. Oh, that car's nice. Look at, oh, man, look at the terrain. Look, oh, man, it's in the rocks. And it's going, oh, that's a nice car. Moments later, days later, I want a new car. And if you don't have a new car, you're not keeping up with the Joneses. You're not keeping up with the Kardashians. And you figure, man, gosh, I got to do, man, how how am I going to keep up with them? For the love of money is the roots of all kinds. Not just one way, not just one kind, not just a piece of paper, but different ways. But see, that's why I truly believe that God wants to raise up men and women out of this church that know how to handle money. I truly believe that. Men and women that know how to handle finances. That finances will not handle them, but they're going to handle finances the righteous way, the right way. They're going to follow God's law. They're going to be able to give freely. I want you to know this. This is just a side note. Coming up real soon, I even talked with the banquet hall here. I talked with them. I spoke with them. I said, hey, I want to do a banquet here at the church and they said, yeah, of course, great. I said, no, 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 I don't want to do a banquet for our church. He goes, what do you mean? Who do you want to do this for? I said, I want to do a banquet for the homeless. And he goes, uh, right away, first question, right? You guys already know the first question. Who's going to pay for it? <laughs> but who's going to pay for it? I said, look, that's what I'm telling you. Because I, I try to, you know, feed into his good side. Because they are good people here. They're very good people. So I said, look, I just want to do this. Let's just do this for the community. I said, come on, let's do this together. Let's be righteous together. Let's do it together. And he goes, hmm, I like the idea. Call me back on Monday. That's what he told me. He goes, call me back on Monday. I said, all right, I'm going to call you. So I, I'm going to call first thing tomorrow. So I talked to him. I said, come on, let's do this. I said, because this is what I want to do. I, I, God dropped this upon my heart back in, I think, February or March. that I wanted to do a banquet for those that are hopeless, helpless, homeless that don't have anything and believe me if I could do it more often I would I would do it every day if I could but I want to do one I want to put out the best even better than our 30th anniversary banquet and did we not have a beautiful 30th anniversary that was awesome and right? beautiful just I want to do one with the best China crystal I mean just nice for the homeless now some of you might say well what if they steal it? What if, see how your mind starts going already? What if they break it? Uh, they're going to break the thing. I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and then also right away, our minds, because we're, we're prone to do this. Okay, I'll give my china, but I just won't give my best china. You know, like right away, we're, you know, we're just, because we don't want to put our best. Because what happens if our best gets messed up? Even though, according to the scriptures, our best is as filthy rags. See what we do? See how we try to do that? No, my best. That's my best. So I'm not going to give it. God says, no, you need to give freely. Freely I gave to you. Freely give. See, we need to put on this breastplate of right, not your righteousness, not our righteousness, not my righteousness, God's righteousness. That we put this on. Listen, I truly believe that God wants to raise up men and women that are going to be able to fund mission works, missionary works all over the world, plant churches, send out uh, uh, training centers, send out more rehab homes. We need more rehab directors. We need more. We need all of that. But we need men and women first that are going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Men and women that are going to be able to do this and not get no credit for it. Not get no credit for it. Some of the greatest donators, you really have to look and research. Did you know that? You really have to research some of the greatest donators of this generation. Because I know of a lot of men and women, and I was, I was studying hard. I was like, man, who are these men and women that give to all these foundations? You know, because there's a lot of people that give to foundations, and they want their name on it, right? I'll, okay, I'm going to give this much money, but you better put my name on that thing. You know some of the greatest donators don't have a building named after them. They don't have a, a swimming area named after them. They don't have a school named after them. They just gave and said, don't tell nobody I did it. Because they don't want no credit. The righteousness. See, that's what Jesus was telling this rich young ruler. He says, look, you want all the credit. Give away all your credit. Give it away. You didn't earn it in the first place. Don't worry about it if nobody looks at you and says, man, that's the greatest. No, don't worry about that. Don't worry about getting all, giving all, matter of fact, all that credit that you think you obtained, that you think you got. Just give it away. Now for him, that's how salvation came about because it was holding on to him. Because that was the question that was asked right after. Who then can be saved? That was the question right away. Some of you here this morning, if you came on Thursday night, man, that was powerful, was it not? powerful. Some of you for your family, your salvation, your family's relying on you. They're relying on you. They're relying on, man, but I just barely come to church on Sundays. They're relying on you. Because you know the knowledge of God. You understand. That's the righteousness. You understand. You know. And so here this morning, I want to challenge you to know the way and follow the way. Follow the path of righteousness, Righteous, not our righteousness, not yours, not mine, but his. I want to challenge you here this morning. This is something that we got to be able to put it on and keep it on. Tell your neighbor, keep it on. Now, this is what we're going to do. If you noticed here this morning, we did not pick up tithes and offerings. Did you guys notice that? Probably some of you here this morning were like, yes. I get to keep my tithe. Now, if that's what you thought, don't hang around me because that's scary right there. <laughs> the Bible talks about a curse. And now, for those of you, you say, no, 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 it's, it's, I, I was just waiting. I was waiting to understand. Maybe I was going to give it at the end. But I want to challenge you here this morning. We're going to pick up this morning's tithes and offerings. And I told the usher, I said, we're going to pick it up at the end. I don't want to pick it up in the middle like we normally do. We're going to pick it up at the end. Because I want to give you an opportunity right here, right now, to be able to put it into practice. Now, for those of you that have been coming to church, and as I look around, we have many men and women that have been coming to church for a while. So you understand what tithes and offerings is. I'm not going to belabor that point. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give of your tithes and your offerings. This is an opportunity for you to say, you know what, I want to be that Sadak that righteous person, that generous person. Now also, not only here this morning, but even today, I want to give you another challenge. I want to challenge you here today. Is it all right if I challenge you? Some of you are like, no, I don't like challenges. Is it all right if I challenge you? Of course I want to challenge you, of course, to give in your tithes and in your offerings. But even sometime this week, if not today, maybe tomorrow tomorrow, if not tomorrow, maybe Tuesday. But before Saturday, before the end of Saturday, I want to challenge you without no credit given to you. And I challenged myself in this. I wrote it down. I challenged myself. I even wrote down myself included. I want to challenge you sometime this week that you go to a restaurant or you go somewhere and you find somebody to pay for. Find someone to pay for. And now now some of you are thinking, man, I just... I'm barely making it, right? It's okay. I understand that. You're like, man, I'm barely making it. I, I'm barely making ends meet. And it's funny that we call money meat, right? I'm making ends meet. I'm barely making ends meet. It's just the, the, the tip of it. I are barely doing up. But I want to challenge you. Give somebody some meat this week. Give somebody something. Even somebody there on the uh, that you see, even before you walk into the restaurant, I do this all the time. And the, those that are around me, they, they can attest to that. I always look around, okay, who's. Because you know how there's people outside of a restaurant, they're always acting, you know, hey. And I always ask God, God, is this the one? And if it is, I'll pay for it. What do you want? I'll get you some food right now. But I want to challenge you give freely. Now, today, of course, is a challenge with the tithes and offerings. But this week, I want to ch- be known as a church not by what it takes in. Not by what we bring in. How nice, Look at the church. Is nice. Oh, man, it's beautiful. It's a great place. They need a new projector. Amen. In the name of Jesus. God will give us one. But I believe that before he wants to give us a projector, give us lights, give us anything like that, we need to give freely. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed, children, begging for bread. That's crazy that the word would use an absolute term. There's there's only two words that are absolute, always and never. I have never, 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 never. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. I have never seen the righteous, the generous, the givers, those who don't have money upon their heart and it's always overtaking them. I've Never, not once, never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Bow your heads with me. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. Father, I come before you here this morning. And God, I don't want to be known as a pastor of a church who has 5000 people but they don't give not even $5 they can't even give to your people there's a hurting dying world out there god this country this state this community, even though we look at the economic times, we go, man, it's crazy time. Lord, in all honesty, we're a blessed people. A very blessed people. We drive in cars. We even have the term waste gas. We go to a restaurant. We have so much food, we call it leftovers. God, we have so much that you've blessed us with. Many of us have closets full of clothes that we haven't even worn in months, years. But we have it because you just blessed us. Lord, we didn't do, attain any of those clothes of our own happenings. Our closet full of shoes, that, that wasn't anything of us. You blessed us. Lord, help us to realize that. God, you gave it to us. Some of us have two, three cars. You gave it to us. And because of that, we're not begging. We are not beggars. But that's only because of you. And for that, I'm very grateful and very thankful. And so, Lord, I want to give this church, our church, my church, an opportunity to be generous, to be givers. Not to be takers. Not to be men and women that people look at us and say, wow, look at how much they have. But men and women say, man, look at how much they give. She's a giver. He's a giver. I want to be like her. She's a giver. I want to hang around him. He's a giver. I pray that you would raise up givers, Lord God, at this time. If there's been anybody that has not tithed, have never tithed in their life, today would be their first time in their life. Bless them, Lord God. Bless them in their tithes. Bless them in their offerings. If there's never been anybody that's ever gave of offerings, that today, bless their offerings. Bless it 30, 60, 100-fold. I thank you, and I praise you. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and lift your heads. If you need a tithing note with the uplifting of the hand, the ushers and usherettes, will see that you get one here this morning. Once you're ready to give, if you're already ready to give, I want you to go ahead and stand with me. If you're ready to give, go ahead and stand. And we're going to sing before we pass the baskets. And before we pass the baskets, we're going to worship God. But if you're ready to give, I want you to go ahead and take that envelope. want you to know that this is what we're doing here as we're giving, it's a form of worship. You need to know that. A broken and a contrite heart, the Bible says, God will not despise. He will not turn away from. Unrighteousness, iniquities, the Bible says it separates us from God. It separates us from God. Don't let finances separate you from God. Don't let money, don't let these things separate you from God. Follow God's way. Follow God's law. It's a principle. You know, what? one thing I prayed for the other night, and I'm sure many of you have as well. I'm just going to say this and we're going to sing. I'm praying for our country. I really am. Man, I'm praying for our country. Our country, man. down a pathway of, really, if you look at it from the biblical standpoint, unrighteousness because all we do is take. That's what our country is known for. I don't know if you know this. If you travel the world, people don't like us. You know why they don't like us? Because they think we're a bunch of takers. All we do is take. Just take it, hang and just. I remember I went to South Africa. You know, what he, they looked at me and they, they said, even though it was small, they go, oh, you're a supersized country. Go, you guys are the supersizers. You guys want everything big. You, know, you take everything. You suck up everything. That's what they're telling me. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't know. Man, I don't know. But I want to be able to be known, maybe not necessarily as a country, but as a person that prays for his country. And we're going to go down the path of righteousness. When I hear all this debt stuff, oh, we're in debt, we're in debt. Look at Prophecy will be fulfilled whether you like it or not fulfilled. So I want to be known as a person who may be in this country living as an American, but I want to be known as a giver. You could say all that stuff about oh, the country that I want to be known as a giver. I don't want to be known as a taker. I may not be able to store up treasures in Fort Knox. Nothing I can do about that. My gold is no good at the bank. It really isn't because the bank is up the bank is down. But there's one place that my treasures are good in. There's one place that rust or moth can't destroy. it. There's one place that no one can take it away. And that's in heaven. Here today, I want to allow you to open up that door, put put it inside the storage, and say, okay, God, you do what you want with me. Stand with me here this morning. Let's lift it unto God. Let's sing this song. Before we pass the baskets, we're going to sing this song unto God. This is my desire to honor you. baskets here this morning. Let's sing it again. Lord, I give you my heart. Let's sing it from there.